Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. I'm kicking it off Teacher Appreciation Week, which starts May 2nd. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators, they're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them. And they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Lori Sostrom with us today from Cork, Ireland. She's originally from Wisconsin, uh, but moved to Ireland 30 years ago, so she's been there for a while, and she has quite a story. Um, She has had some experience teaching with VIP Kids Platform and taught students in China. Um, She currently is an anxiety management coach, and she works with parents Uh, with children who are struggling with anxiety. And I just thought this would be another perspective to include on the show, especially when we look at a lot of our children and what they've been through in the pandemic um, and how we can support them and support parents at this time. So thank you, Lori, for being on The Teacher Story. Thanks, Jackie. That's a really lovely introduction. And I just want to say, I think what you're doing for teachers and for parents is really important because we need to see the perspective of different people and it means so much. And that's really what I'm all about. You know, I want to help parents improve their communication with any official that works with their child. And that would mean, I mean, teachers are officials. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's kind of my inspiration with bringing you on and I have some other guests in the future that will be on from different perspectives, like working with students, like as a coach. Um, And so, you know, starting with teachers, but then kind of seeing where those other perspectives may come from. So um, my first question for you is what inspired you to get into either the line of work you're in now, or when you did start teaching, when you were working for uh, VIP kids? two amazingly complex questions to answer, but I will attempt, um, I will attempt both of them. The first one was I was working with business executives. And in order to do that, I had to commute an hour and a half to get to work. Mm -hmm. Then I came down ill. And after my illness, I was no longer strong enough to commute. So I had no work. And At the same time, my daughter was diagnosed with severe scoliosis Mm -hmm. and um, just the ramifications of all of that meant there was a huge expense. Mm -hmm. So I was weak as a lamb, unable to work, and we had all of these huge expenses. One of the other parents who were at the clinic where my daughter was being treated said, have you heard of VIP kid? You'd be perfect for that. And I said, oh, uh, what's that? And I really wasn't excited about it at all because, you know, trying to teach a child in person is hard enough. Imagine if they're thousands of miles away on the other side of a screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you know, there are things you cannot control when you're not in the room with them. Yeah. Um, I got a few stories there if you're interested. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> but um So that is actually the two stories combined. Mm -hmm. My daughter was diagnosed with severe scoliosis and there was no treatment 
for her specific condition here in Ireland. So we had to go over to the States to get the treatment. And I don't know about you, but just for a lot of people, international mm -hmm. travel is stress inducing. Mm -hmm. International travel plus traveling with all of the scoliosis equipment mm -hmm. and your young child to a place where they're going to be doing intensive therapy for three weeks mm -hmm. is even more stressful. But what about when your child comes back wearing a brace that shoves their one shoulder up high and their other shoulder mm -hmm. down and you know, there's no hiding that brace. Yeah, yeah. You know, the stress that comes with trying to get your child to go to school, feeling yeah. like they're not some sort of misfit. Yeah. So that was all what we were going through. And mm. after we got through it, I realized, you know what? I did that all alone. Mm. I mean, I felt so lonely and I felt like there was no one out there when in fact, I was wrong, Jackie. Mm. I mean, the teachers were there, yeah. but did I rely on them? No, I looked at them as people on the other side. Mm. If I had thought, look, the teachers, they want to support my kid as much as I do, probably more, because if there's no bullying going on in the classroom over her brace, that makes mm. their lives a lot easier, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, and, and of course, why do teachers become teachers? there's a vocation. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, this is not an easy job and you don't get paid a yeah. millionaire's sal salary for work that is emotionally, physically, intellectually draining. Yeah. So, so these people are dedicated to helping your kids. Why not use that resource? Mm -hmm. And I know it sounds mercenary, but it's not what it is. Jackie is it's just building connections, yes. showing your gratitude. You know, that poor teacher has 30, maybe sometimes 40 kids to look after. And yours is only one, right? And here you are expecting them to give your child 100%. Mm. How fair is that? Yeah. So, so when I started to look at teachers and doctors and therapists from that perspective, I had this huge aha moment. What was the problem when there was a breakdown in communication? I was the problem because mm -hmm. I was the common denominator. And when I wanted only the best for my kid, why was that? Mm -hmm. It was overwhelming emotion stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So now you have your answering, uh, Jackie, why I am an anxiety management coach for parents. I help parents get over their anxiety so then they can think clearly. And now who's going to advocate for their kids better than them? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, teachers love the kids, but they've got 30 of them. Yeah. You love your kid. You got one, maybe three, maybe four. If you're really, really prolific, you might have 10 kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not as many as a teacher has. And so all I'm saying is you mm. are going to be your own kid's best advocate. And if yes. you're not thinking straight and if you're all overwhelmed by emotion, well, you're just going to mm. lay that emotion and that stress on the teacher. Mm -hmm. And what I would be really interested in Jackie is hearing it from a teacher's perspective. I yeah. mean, how does it feel for you as a teacher 
when you've got a, an over anxious parent and a stressed out kid coming into your classroom. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I first want to just say, um, I really feel for what you've been through. And I'm, I'm sorry, both you and your daughter family have gone through that. I can't imagine it. I'm also not a parent. Um, I've seen students of mine go through really, you know, terrible illnesses, um, whether it's physical or mental. But from a parent perspective, I can't imagine it. And I think that is just so um, vulnerable and brave of you to share this, to share this story, because this is another part of this podcast is this human connection and really being able to be vulnerable and share um, what we've gone through in our lives. And I really appreciate the work you're doing because at least in America, and maybe you see it in Ireland and other places, but recently through the pandemic, it's felt like, and I've talked about this on other episodes, it's like teachers versus parents. And that does not work. Um, it's volatile. It's, there's this tension there. It doesn't feel like a sense of community. Many of the teachers that are leaving schools now, you know, we have this mass exodus happening in America, and I know it's happening um, in other parts of the world. You know, one of the reasons there's many, but there's oftentimes they feel like they don't get support from their community. They don't get support from their administrators. Maybe there's parents that are, they're stressed out, they have anxiety, they're overwhelmed. And maybe the knee jerk reaction is I'm going to kind of come at the teacher or just come in a way that's kind of like emotional or aggressive or go to the principal and then the principal doesn't really support the teacher. And then the teacher feels that there's, we have no voice. Like we have no voice. No one wants to hear our perspective. We're under a microscope, but like I've talked about before, it is a team effort. And so the teacher and the parent, that relationship is important. When we have uh, parent conferences, and I'm fortunate at my school, we have very small classes. So sometimes my, my biggest class is 20. So, I mean, usually it's anywhere from like 10 to 15. So I have, you know, a manageable class size for classroom management, but also my roster to get to know my students and get to know my parents. But I've taught in public school. Uh, when I taught in Hawaii, I taught a classroom of 36 students and some that had very, you know, in-depth learning plans, others that were ELL, others that were on the autism spectrum. And sometimes you would have maybe one teacher assistant for the ELL students and that was it. And you're just like, how do I do all of this? And you care for every single child. Like you really do. Like most teachers I know, and like, I would say, even if they're like the mediocre teacher, right? Like you have like those excellent, innovative teachers, mediocre teachers. They really care about the students and they care about their well-being. The last thing they want to see is a, uh, a student failing or being bullied or feeling that they don't want to come to school. And then if they have a parent that they feel like they're not connected with, it's like, what can we do for you? You know, so that parent-teacher communication and relationship is so important. And I think it just takes listening and really getting to know these perspectives, right? Like getting to know your parent and what they're going through, but also getting to know the teacher and what they have uh, on their plate, right? Like roster, how many different classes they're teaching, all the other duties they have to do in a school, all the other hats they're wearing because they aren't just there for your one child. 
Um, and through this time in the pandemic, we have been counselors. I'm not a trained counselor, but like, how do I not attend to the emotional state of my children in front of me? I teach history. So when the election of 2020 happened, the insurrection on January 6th happened, Black Lives Matter movement, all of this, how do I not, you know, address that mental state, right, of our community and in the class? So we've become counselors, and that's a whole other emotional toll on teachers. So the work you're doing is so important. And I, when I first met you, your information on your profile on LinkedIn just jumped right out to me because I'm like, this is what we need. We need, you know, professionals working with parents because I could understand too that it's hard being a parent right now. You know, it's really difficult. Um, and I think the pandemic has been a place where we can see all of these holes, all of the, all of these areas that we really need to improve to make it better. So I really appreciate that, Lori. Thank you so much. Well, I think what you're doing in this podcast by just listing off as you did a minute ago, all of the different things that you're responsible for as a teacher, that can open the eyes of the parents. When they think all that's happening is you're standing in the classroom, the kids come in, sit down, and, and you provide wisdom, and then you send them home, and they think that that's all you do. Yeah. They don't realize, I mean, and then they say, look, you have the whole summer off, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's just, it's unfair, because mm-hmm. that summer off is a time when you need to, first of all, recharge your own batteries, and also prepare for the next year. I mean, mm-hmm. there there is a whole new group of kids coming in. And yeah, it's really, really easy. I know this because I've done it myself as a teacher. It's really easy to use the exact same curriculum from one year to the next. But another thing it is, is boring. Right? Yeah. You can't, I mean, if you do it twice, you're like, I got to switch this up. Right. And so you're using all of your creative energy to come up with something that inspires you. So your mm-hmm. kids will be inspired and they'll actually learn because, you know, if you're not inspired, they're not going to be inspired. Mm-hmm. And well, I don't think that a lot of people realize mm. just how exhausting creative energy is. Yeah, it is. And I really appreciate you talking about summer. That is probably the media mouthpiece of, you know, when people are attacking teachers for complaining about their jobs or complaining about their salary, most teachers go to a lot of professional development in the summer. Every single summer since I've been teaching, I've been, well, I've either had a job, I've been in grad school, um, or I've been in professional development, which sometimes could be weeks. And a lot of uh, teachers want to hone their craft particularly in this time, because when school starts, you're like, I have no time. So like, if I don't lay out the whole year of all of the initiatives that I want to work on in my classroom, when September rolls around, it's not going to happen. So here I go. I have two and a half months. Some places only have maybe, you know, two months, wherever that is, um, that you're going to dedicate, obviously time to relax and like go on vacation with your family and just take a breather. But a lot of that time is shaping your curriculum. Come August, like I always know when August rolls around, I'm like, I'm in school mode. So like I might do some professional development in July, maybe beginning of August and then boom. And it's not a whole summer off and you are on a bullet train. 
like I was saying to you earlier, come September for nine months, besides like yeah, your holiday and, breaks. Yeah. And and let, let's just talk about something you raised. You're doing this stuff for the benefit of your students and you're not getting paid. So how do you pay for your student loans? Mm. I mean, there are so many teachers out there with massive debt. And yes. that that's um, where I'd like to just bring up VIP Kid again. Okay. VIP Kid has been a refuge for so many teachers mm. because through working VIP Kid from like crazy stupid early hours of the morning and right, there'll be teachers right. getting up at 4 a.m and working until six and then getting ready for school and then going off to school mm. working all day at school coming home doing another couple of hours in the evening wow. teaching vip kid um and they i don't know if vip kid is actually still active i think it's shut down in in china um mm. now but they have other platforms in mm -hmm. other countries but the thing is is that all of those hours that they put into VIP Kid is because they're not getting enough money mm -hmm. teaching to cover the loans that got them the education to do the job that's being done for our kids, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, VIP Kid is a great platform in so many ways, in that it does give teachers a way of, of covering their expenses, but also it it shows you just how strong an impact culture has mm. on the way we teach our kids. Yeah. Yeah. And you have some stories. Yeah. I've got some really good stories. Would you like to hear the Willie story? Yes. <laughs> and before you share that story, cause it's really good. And I think our listeners will uh, learn a lot um, just to touch on salary and student loans, at least in the American perspective, I'll just share some, my personal journey in that. Um, I'm married and I have, it's a dual income. So we live, you know, we're living pretty well. Um, when I was a single teacher, I always had a second job when I was teaching in Hawaii, cause it was also Hawaii is very expensive. Um, and I was getting paid a lesser salary in Hawaii than I would have gotten in Pennsylvania when that's where I got my teacher training and where I grew up. Um, I had three jobs. So I, I taught, I then worked at the gap some nights and weekends. And then I also was a dance crew coach, which was a, you know, a paid after-school position, um, did that for years and years and years. And when I came back to, uh, Pennsylvania, couldn't find a job after the recession. And so I eventually went to independent school because I was getting frustrated with the public school system. And just everything was like this conveyor belt of people looking for jobs and all the jobs were part-time. You weren't making any money or benefits. And I love being in independent school. I'm in it now and I'm very fortunate in New Jersey, but my first school paid the exact same salary. I started with my first year in Hawaii. I literally did not make an increase in six years. And I had a master's degree I was working on. And I lived in a tiny little room in someone's house that I paid only like $400 rent or something. I mean, you couldn't even do that now drove a beat up car, you know, I loved what I did and I continue to do it because I love my students and I love what I did, but it is not sustainable. It is not, no one should live like that and have a professional degree and a master's degree with that and teaching to a community 
that was pretty wealthy for the most part. And, you know, like people think that teachers, especially in the independent school system, oh, they're getting paid. I'm like, no, they're not because there's no tax money. So I just my experience from Hawaii to there, it was just not sustainable at all. There are many times I could have been like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to leave. But I just loved what I did so much. And I love the connections I made with my students. And I just happened to then finally find a place that is sustainable. Um, but this is another reason why teachers are leaving because you have to survive. You have to take care of yourself or your family. Like I couldn't imagine also if I was say a single mom, there's no way I could be able to do that. Um, so yeah, so thank you for bringing that up because um, many teachers do have to have those other jobs and VIP kids is a great platform, like you said, but here they are working four in the morning till, you know, probably six or eight at night with their full-time teaching job. It's a burnout real fast. Yeah, absolutely. It was a huge, huge benefit to me because my computer was about three feet away from my bed. So I could teach for one hour, two students, one for half an hour, then the next one for half an hour, go lie down for an hour, get up again, do another hour. I did that all day long. Mm. Um, and because I'm in Ireland, the time difference wasn't so drastic as it is from China to America. Okay. There's a much bigger gap yeah. time yeah. difference like than hours. from Ireland. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was really easy for me. Um, and I'm really grateful to VIP kid for that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, when you're teaching online, and I'm sure after the pandemic, every teacher out there knows exactly what I'm talking about. You can't redirect the child by standing behind them right? or, or by standing over them <laughs> or by, you know, giving them the, the look. Yeah. Cause because, even eye contact is different online than in yeah, person. It really is. And all the kid has to do is shut off their camera. Right. Right. And that happened a and lot. Then, and, and, and another, another trick that they love to do was to pretend that their screen was frozen. So yeah. they would just like, <laughs> yeah, there with like one hand and they, and they think they're getting away with it, but then you can hear the mother screaming in the background. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, they're so cute and they had so much fun mm. and to just enjoy the kids enjoying themselves mm. was, was the best part. And the worst part was when outside things happened that were shocking that that as a teacher as an American teacher you're required when you see something inappropriate happening that you have to report it mm -hmm. um so you're teaching with VIP kid and the child pulls off his pants and runs around with his willy in his hand yeah what yeah. do you have to do you have to shut off your camera right and you have to type in the chat, I'm sorry that this session is shut because mm -hmm. you can't be in the room with a kid who's naked. Doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. Right. And then the parent is like, what's wrong? Because, of course, over there, the idea of a naked kid is just like, well, kids get naked sometimes. Just, you know, deal right. with it. Right, right. This isn't a pornographic thing. It just, you know, kids, little kids pull their clothes off sometimes. Like they're especially... still thinking they're in my home. So it's their house. They can do that. But this is like, but you're on school online, but there's that blurring of the lines of school and home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and then you've got the parents in the summertime and the hot and the heat there is like ridiculous. Right. And they, they forget their kid is online and they walk right behind the classroom in their mm. underwear. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're like, oh, hi, Dad. Wow, you really are like wearing your wow, <laughs> wow, wow. I could not oh, imagine. I'm so that. glad you got the bra on this time. You know, thank you. For oh that. my gosh. <laughs> they just forget that the students actually like in class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't realize. And then of course when they do, they're mortified and then you never see that kid again. Yeah. Because yeah. they're so embarrassed and humiliated. But those are the funny ones and the ones that you sort of just like share with other teachers and all say, yeah, I've been there. Been there, yeah. <laughs> but the heartbreaking ones are the cultural differences between corporal punishment. Yeah. Um, corporal punishment is not taboo in other countries. Yeah. It's considered good parenting. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that in a country with billions of people, competing and i mean have you seen the poverty mm -hmm. in, uh, among the poor people in china yeah i mean that is a very real future for the kids so the parents mm -hmm. really want to make sure their kids are successful yeah and so they've got this very very clear idea of what their kids have to have in order to be a success they have to be able to compete at the highest levels mm -hmm. and the parents are stressed out and as i mentioned earlier i know how it feels to be stressed out and not thinking straight mm -hmm. so now you've got a country that says corporal punishment is acceptable of course they don't mean abusing the child they just mean spanking your kid is okay you know, right, right. and that's not that long ago that spanking your kid was okay everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but add on the pressure that you can see your child ending up living mm. in something akin to a drawer in a morgue, because mm. that's how a lot of the motels out yeah. in the country are mm -hmm. set up. They look like drawers in a morgue you pull it out there's a bed you can climb in it they sh shut it all the way up until you just your face is sticking out so you can breathe that saves space yeah there are places like that yeah, factories yeah. um provide housing for people in that manner and mm. and and that's a lot better than sleeping in the rough so i mean everything is relative yeah. And so these yeah. parents really only want the best for their kids. They've got all of this stress. Corporal punishment is okay. And the next thing me as a teacher sees is a kid coming into class petrified to say mm -hmm. anything, but they're there to speak. And if they don't speak, they're going to get corporal punishment. And if mm -hmm. they do speak and they make a mistake, they're going to get corporal punishment. Yeah. And the punishment is getting smacked on the side of the head so hard that you're hit off of the chair. Wow. And as a teacher, you're sitting there saying, you got two ways of looking at it. You can be, you can be compassionate to the parents and understand yeah. what they're going through and the fear that they have for their child's future, or you can be outraged. And you also have to be sensitive to you are in a completely different country and you have a totally different perspective. That's right. Yeah. And, and so that's a that's a real battle for mm, people who hard. don't believe that a child should be hit so it having my background and my understanding yeah. i actually was able to convince a mom that maybe the better way to get her child to learn would be to wait count to 10 let the mm -hmm. child answer 
And then when they answered correctly, every time they say from the side, good job in English. Yeah. yeah. So then the child would be like, oh, mom's saying good job, just like the mm-hmm. teacher. And so now mom and teacher are working together. together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and the mom understands that the kids process thought process isn't as fast as theirs and if they give them just a little extra time they'll get it right and then they'll keep getting it right I I really feel like I contributed a lot to helping Mm -hmm. parents reduce their anxiety while they Mm -hmm. while I was helping their children in Mm -hmm. China yeah and so I mean it's all it's Mm -hmm. all one big cycle Mm-hmm. of parents being stressed, understanding how it feels to be a teacher, mm-hmm. helping to keep the parents feeling less stressed, acknowledging the work the teacher is doing, mm-hmm. acknowledging the stress of the parents. And it's all about communication. Yeah. You know? And that's a whole other role that you had as a VIP uh, kid teacher that like you wouldn't see in America or, or like Ireland. I mean, yeah. So if we see any kind of corporal punishment or we see markings of corporal punishment, we do, we, we have a duty to report um, to, you know, children's services and, but you have another country and this is a Chinese platform. You're working for a Chinese company. So it's not like you can report this family to that company because it's a totally different cultural dynamic but now you have another role as a teacher to de-escalate that, right? Or if you're not comfortable, you just shut it down. And ultimately, right, what's going to happen with that child and the whole situation with their education? You don't have to do what you did, but I commend you for doing what you did because that's a whole other level of being a caring teacher to now you're using you know, like psychotherapy, right? Like you are, you're using these techniques that a psychologist would use to really work with the parent and try to think about, um, think about the learning process differently and get them to really be that partner with you and their child. I mean, that's incredible. And isn't, isn't that interesting how it circles back to what you said earlier? Yeah. When through the pandemic teachers had to become counselors. Yes. Yeah. And that is a whole other role. It's so yeah. hard. Yeah. So Jackie, I just want to say to all of the teachers out there, I really do respect and admire the work that all of the teachers put in, that some teachers are actually in roles that they don't want to be in mm-hmm. and they're doing it anyway. And they've got their own parenting story mm-hmm. if they're parents and they've got their own lives as well, mm-hmm. their own stresses. And so by acknowledging each other, you've been acknowledging me and I've been acknowledging you. Mm-hmm. I hope that what we've been able to do here is model for people mm-hmm. just exactly how beautiful parent-teacher connection yeah. can be. You yeah. Know? So Whenever I've had this great parent conference, so parent conferences come around a couple of times a year. And there's always this like, you know, amongst teachers is like, oh, it's parent conference time. What's going to happen? Right. You don't know how, like, especially if the child's not doing well, but whenever, you know, I had an advisee, we're also advisors in our roles and um, the, the student was really struggling in some of the classes and the mom was a night nurse, worked a lot, you know, really cared for her child, but realized like, I'm just not around. 
And when she came to meet with me, she didn't break down, but I could tell she was so stressed and tired and, but cared so much for her child to do well. And all she wanted to do is just have me listen to her. And she wasn't saying you obviously you're not going to like fix the problem. You're not even teaching those classes, but like, you know, how can I help you as a parent, giving you information and supporting as much as I can, my child at home. And then I could also say, this is what I can do with like talking with these teachers that are the classes he's struggling in or talking maybe with the counselor that maybe there's a little bit more going on, right. That he maybe wants to go talk to the counselor and, and see if there's other things he's struggling with. And it was like this beautiful connection. I like remember this conversation. It was last November. And I'm like, oh, I just, I felt like a team. And it felt like we really cared not only for the child, but cared for each other and wanted to make this work. And ultimately we're all doing this to make it work. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I love what you do. Yeah. Your story there um, brought a tear to my eye because I'm not a night nurse, obviously. But when I was very ill, from the time my daughter was nine until she was 13, I was unable to even get out of bed. So I was an absent parent. I was here, but my husband told the kids, don't go upstairs. Your mom needs to sleep. She's in the, I would get, I would get food brought to me in the room and I didn't see, I didn't even see my kids, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it is, it's enough to make you cry when you can't be there for your kids under mm-hmm. any circumstances, that poor mother who had to work nights, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. the same. It's the same for all of us. We all feel, it doesn't matter what your story is. We feel mm-hmm. the emotion for what's going on with our kids a hundred times more powerfully mm-hmm. than the kid feels, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so that's why I think it's really important that parents make sure that they've got their overwhelm managed because Mm -hmm. as the old famous saying is you can't pour from an empty cup. Right. Right. And what you really should be doing is pouring from an overflowing cup. Yes. So that you don't get drained at all. Right. Right. And that's what we need to do the teachers Mm -hmm. and the parents Mm -hmm. both need to have overflowing cups because that's what's going to give the future generations an opportunity, a chance, you know? Yeah. And we want to model that for this generation too, so that they become, you know, I think adults that this world is becoming ever more challenging. So we really need to build that sense of taking care of yourself. Like we need to model that for our students. Um, So yeah. Anything else that you want to share before we end here, Lori, about either your work that you're doing you know, I, I will plug any information and sit, put that in the show notes or anything else about just um, education in general, what we can see to to keep improving it or this relationship dynamic between teachers and parents. Anything else you want to share? Jackie, you've been so great talking to me. You've, t- you've given me so much time already. So yes, there's a million more things, <laughs> but I think this is a good place to bring it to a close and maybe someday we could have another podcast together and we can continue the conversation. Yes. I would love that. Lori, thank you so much. Sure. And um, as for what I do, what I would just like the message for parents and for teachers to be is if there is a parent who is struggling, know that you're not alone. There are so many people out there who are ready, willing, and able to help you. Look up a life coach online. Mm -hmm. 
if you want to come to me because I focus on children with medical or other serious diagnoses, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But just know that there are people out there and there, it really does work when you get somebody, a coach who can talk you through Mm -hmm. what you're going through and it doesn't have to take long and it doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah. Thank you so much for your work that you're doing. And for today, I enjoyed this conversation so much. I thought it was very just honest and vulnerable. And um, I don't know, there was this real heart connection. Yeah, I felt it too. Well, have a great day, Lori. Okay, thank you. And you too. Bye. Bye.